Hello and welcome back to the second episode of the third series of Sleep Like a Baby. I'm your host, Heather, and I'm an infant sleep consultant as well as a mum, and I live and work here in South East London. Thank you very much to everyone who's been in touch to say they liked that first episode with Greer. Um, I, I absolutely loved listening back to it, um, and it's just really great to be able to share that conversation with you. And in this week's episode, I was really excited. I absolutely loved researching this because I think gender and infant sleep is an area that I don't see a huge amount of discussion on. And um, I pulled up some really interesting studies um, and anecdotal reports as well. I spoke to a lot of people on Instagram about their experiences of whether or not gender influences how their child sleeps. I also spoke to a lot of other sleep consultants for their opinions on it. And I think we had a really fascinating conversation and Kirsty raised some amazing points about how we treat little boys because ultimately um, Kirsty Beaven, she co-created this incredible quarterly independent magazine called Sunshine. And essentially the premise is that, you know, it, if we're going to ditch the patriarchy, make the world a more equal place, then as feminists, we have to talk about how we are raising men in this culture as well as how we are raising our daughters and our, and our women. Um, and as the mother of a, a little boy myself, I absolutely love receiving my quarterly copy of Sunshine magazine which I've subscribed to for a while now um, because these are really, really important conversations. And uh, anyway, without further ado, I'll just let Kirsty explain for herself how she created the magazine, why she does what she does. And there is so much food for thought here and self-reflection, I think, about how we raise our, ch- our daughters and our sons. The Sleep Like a Baby podcast is supported by The Octopus Club, the online marketplace where you can buy, sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle. If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, The Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality second hand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com, to sign up today. Hi, Kirsty. How are you? (laughs) I'm good, thank you. How are you? Well, I'm a little bit flustered there because um, we had some rather major technical difficulties. Oh, it was all right. We're we're here now. We've we're made it. Now. We've done it. We've done it. <laughs> oh, thank you for being, thank you for your patience. But um, the reason I was getting so flustered is because I'm so excited to talk to you about this that I don't want to waste a minute of annoying technical difficulties. <laughs> um, so um, I'd love to start off with you just sort of introducing yourself and and telling us what Sunshine Magazine is all about and and how you came. How, how it came to be. Okay, um, I'm Kirsty and I run Sunshine Magazine and basically in about 2017, basically I've got two children mm-hmm. and when my son was born, I, I realized, um, oh, he is being subjected to the st- same stereotypes as my daughter but they're coming out in a different way. I'd felt quite confident about how I could uh, raise my daughter to be a, sort of go against those stereotypes that we all know about girls. And I thought I felt quite confident about how I would raise a strong daughter. And I, I felt like also I knew a lot about what it meant to be held back as a woman and all of that sort of stuff. So I, I felt quite confident about that. And then when I had my son, I thought, oh, hang on a minute. I suddenly can see there are a lot of forces from society acting on him as a boy um, and I don't know how to deal with this and I don't know how to counter it and I, I honestly I looked absolutely everywhere for things I looked at books I looked on the internet I was thinking well where, where am I going to find those supportive groups that are going to help me with unpicking this stuff for my son um, and it came to a head particularly when he was sort of two or three 
and he basically just wanted to do everything that my daughter did. He, he wanted to dress like her, he wanted to do all the things that she was into. So he would basically get her clothes out of the um, chest of drawers and put them on. And I actually was really challenged by this idea of my son going out wearing a skirt. And I thought to myself, well, why am I so challenged by that? Like, what is my problem with that? Yeah. Obviously, I didn't stop him and I didn't say you shouldn't do that. But I, I felt it. I felt uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable about him on the bus wearing a skirt. And I, when I started to think about why that was, um, I thought this is not OK. Yeah. <laughs> because basically, I don't want people to think my son is my daughter. Why not? Like, what, what's the problem that I have with someone thinking that my son might be a girl I is it because I don't think girls are good enough um so I had to unpick some stuff around that for myself and I really was looking for something to help me with that and I couldn't find anything so I thought you know what I'm a writer I'm gonna start one yes so I did so that's <laughs> that's uh, yeah so I started back in 2017 tried out a few things um with a, a writer friend of mine who who also had sons and um then over the last few years it's become what it is and now it's an actual magazine that you can buy in shops um and our tagline is uh, raising boys for a more equal world um yes. cr crucially for me i think the fact is we can't change things for the girls unless we are also changing it for the boys yeah that is so that's such an important part of it all isn't it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um Wow. Well, when, when, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, have of that experience. And so, what's the age gap between your two children? Just, just almost exactly two years. Okay. Yeah. So they're very, very close. In, I mean, my daughter doesn't remember him being born. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, he's never had a life without her. So they, they, they're quite close. They share a room. Yeah. They, and obviously, then after the last two years, they've been their own constant playmates yeah. um so they yeah they're quite close yeah and that's really interesting that they share a room because um before we started recording we were, we so obviously this is a sleep podcast so I'm going to we're going to be talking about sleep but yeah. they have very different sleeping behaviors now don't they as as yes. older children as, as they're both in primary school aren't they yeah they're both in primary school now yeah so yes and but they've always always been like this so my daughter um she was my first and um she was incredibly hard to get to sleep <laughs> yeah. um during the day during the night whatever it was she needed to be bounced bounced and sort of bobbled as we used to call it she needed to be bobbled um and then when my son was born um we thought ah oh, i've got this i know what i'm doing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and honestly he couldn't bear it if we jiggled him oh wow um, if he just couldn't bear it. he just was like can you make this stop? And um, <laughs> then we would put him down in his cot and then he'd go to sleep. And we were like, oh, right, see, we've got a, we've got, it's two, they're totally different. And they're still the same now that my son, I've just put him, he, he gets into bed, puts his head on the pillow and about two minutes later, he's gone to sleep. But my daughter, she, she cannot just nod off like that. It's not her way. It's not my way either. <laughs> yes, yeah. And you were saying your, your partner is, a bit more like your son oh yeah, the, he, yeah he can just fall asleep yeah yeah so that is a great skill in my that is a superpower <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i need a lot of wind down time yeah it's so interesting isn't it i've just i mean i'm such a sleep geek and that's why i do what i do because mm. i just i think it's really really interesting um and bef uh, you know i've been researching gender and sleep a lot for this chat and you know the 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 reality is there is no clear evidence that particularly in infancy that baby boys and baby girls sleep any differently and that a lot of our a lot of the kind of ideas we have around the difference between boys and girls and sleep largely seems to be anecdotal and um but you know there are there is some differences you know, for example um we, they have found that in newborns, baby boys are more more um, easily roused between sleep oh. cycles, so they're, they're they are more likely to be uh, more wakeful. But by about two or three months old, that difference seems to have disappeared. Um, baby boys are, I think, between fifty and sixty percent more likely to um, 
sadly die from SIDS. So that's really interesting. Um, uh, you know, in terms of, of differences in, in the nighttime sleep. Yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of the actual data of do, you know, do girls sleep through sooner or do boys, uh, you know, need more sleep? It doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any clear evidence. Although what's interesting at the moment is because obviously now we have such a, there's so much data from apps and technology that we, that is a new source of insight into all kinds of parenting areas isn't it um, lots of people use apps like Nanit and Huckleberry and all of these things and so their data is quite interesting Nanit released um, some research that found that actually according to their users at least so it's not exactly the most robust study or you know it's not empirical evidence but baby girls get over the course of a month about four and a half hours more sleep on average and that yeah so at around six months I think they said that baby girls get around 10 minutes sleep more a night so it's not huge but it's interesting I mean every minute is crucial every minute is every minute counts yeah so when we say four and a half hours over a month actually per day it's more like 10 minutes but it's they also found that girls uh tended to wake less frequently and lie in more in the morning but again this is not hard scientific evidence so I think we have to take it with a pinch of salt um, and these are people recording their own experiences, yeah. aren't they? So that's that is that is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. For pe- it, it is, yeah, exactly. But that in itself is really unreliable because no one is inputting data. Like you know, how do we know? But it, it's they have obviously hundreds of thousands of users. Yes. So I think the trends are really interesting. Um, and I mean, anecdotally, for, as people speak to you about it, is that what people are reporting that there are? So this is what's really interesting. So I would say I work with considerably more baby boys. uh, And I would say for every four or five boys I work with, there's one girl. Um, Mm. And sometimes I'll have a month where I'm only working with boys. And then sometimes there'll be like a suddenly, oh, there's lots of girls this month. That's interesting. But I think that's because nearly like 99% of my clients come to me via Instagram and I talk a lot about my own son and Mm -hmm. and I uh, so I wonder if people with sons are drawn to another like even subconsciously another parent with a boy like I wonder if that's a part of it because I asked some other sleep consultants um what their experiences with gender was and it was really varied so um uh a a guest actually on this podcast Charlotte who um did an episode on attachment Mm -hmm. she has a little girl and she said that she works with more girls than boys as a a sleep consultant so I thought that was interesting I mean it is fascinating isn't it because I think I mean even when I was talking about my story I was looking for other parents of boys I I was I I was looking for other parents of boys to talk about my experience so I think there is something in that that yeah we're drawn to you know, we've made these quite rigid divisions between what little girls should be like and what little boys should be like. And therefore, we think, even if, it, like you say, it's it's a sort of subconscious feeling, but yeah. we think, I think, we need to have somebody who understands my specific experience. Yeah. And because we've made gender such a big, important part of a child's identity, um then I think as parents we are drawn to trying to find people who we think will um know something special (laughs) Uh, based on that gender whereas actually um the older my children get the more I think oh this is just your personalities like they've got quite they're quite complementary personalities but they've got quite different personalities and I don't think that the most important thing about them is whether they're a boy or a girl I think it's actually down to their individual traits yeah. which I don't think I I now I, I mean I now and I, I look back because it, it is fascinating when you have a tiny tiny baby that you, I look back now and I think I can see these things that that come out in my primary school age children that they've always been like that mm-hmm. yes um, yeah. so I do I do think it is quite fascinating but yes I, I think I might have been drawn yeah. Had I gone down the route of, of um, speaking with a with you, yeah. I, I think, yes, I think you're right. I think I might have been drawn to somebody yeah. who, who had lots of experience with boys, if that was something that yeah. I, I was feeling concerned about. 
And certainly when I work with babies and I mean, I work kind of up to age three. So I don't see any difference in how they respond to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sleep hygiene or routines or that I don't find that boys need more sleep or less sleep. I find that it's pretty much average in the sense that they are all so unique, you know, and I think that temperament is the most important factor when it comes to sleep or maybe just parenting in general you know yeah. that, that, that that they're a person that there's yes. no one size fits all and that um it would be a lot easier if there was you know if I could just say here's this perfect sleep routine for a boy and this is what you need to do and blah 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 and they'll be done but it doesn't work like that sadly <laughs> no <laughs> um but yeah so so I don't see any difference in the girls and boys that I work with but it's interesting that I do work with more boys and, I mean um, I definitely had that feeling um when my when my son was born a lot of people said oh it's going to be much harder for you mm. there was a lot I think there's a lot of anecdotal you know people are like oh boys need feeding more yes they're going to wake up more Yes. Um, they're going to be more hungry and I that I mean that can be quite daunting I mm-hmm. think um yes and, and obviously so I, I think that is a really tiny part of maybe the first few months of a boy is that they do have a slightly higher calorie intake and that's interesting um what's interesting as well about if if uh if the breastfeeding parents is that um, breast milk differs according to whether you have a boy or a girl like the fat fat you know content and certain nutrients because you know you it's tailored to your baby yeah so um yeah so that's really interesting but generally especially once we're past the age of six months there doesn't seem to be any difference between how often a baby feeds how often they wake, you yeah. know, gender really doesn't come into it. And yet I do think that especially like into the toddler years and beyond, that's when there are really, really clear expectations, I think, of what little boys and little girls should be doing. Well, that's true. That I mean, the thing is that you can trace this right back. So basically once, um, if you choose, if you, if you choose at your 20 week scan to find out whether your baby's likely to be a boy or a girl. Um, if you choose then to find that out, this studies show that parents actually, parents to be, talk differently about the baby before it's born. Yeah, that's amazing. So parents are much more likely to report that their child is, that, you know, their unborn baby is more active, more busy, kicks more, um, and, and use words particularly like, you know, little footballer, kicking all the time. And that isn't necessarily borne out by whether the the baby is moving more. It's actually just one's expectations. So parental expectations about whether that child is more active because they know it's a boy, basically. So if you know it's a boy, you'll you'll say, oh, it's very busy. It's like a washing machine in there. (laughs) Um, So it starts very early. and then I think as children grow, um, um, there's been quite a lot of studies into things like toy preference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we've probably all heard this thing that girls prefer, they're more drawn to doll play and yeah. um, baby, baby dolls and things like that. And that boys are more drawn to construction toys or vehicles or things mm-hmm. like that. And I think we've probably all seen children for whom that is true. Um, and so those expectations are confirmed and that's it's confirmation bias basically so we actually give more weight to things that fit with our expectations so if you had a baby who was a little boy and did eat more and um, wake more and did all those and was you know very busy and active and did all the things that were expected that just it's like a sort of feedback loop that gives you those things that you say, well, that's what boys are like, because that's what I've been told boys are like, rather than that's what my child is like. Um, If you have a child that confounds those expectations, it can sometimes take you a little bit longer to realize that as well. Um, So for example, my son, he, he loves cuddly toys. He loves baby dolls. He's really into imaginary play. It took me absolutely ages to notice it. 
absolutely ages to notice that and I definitely noticed that he liked wheels and he liked vehicles and he liked diggers um, but I think all children go through a phase of liking wheels as you know as part of learning about the world um, so it's, it's very interesting how these things feed into our own um, expectations and I think particularly around what we expect from our children so if we expect and I don't know if this is borne out from your experiences, but if we expect our children to sleep less well, mm. it, perhaps we're a bit more relaxed around them sleeping less well. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what the, I haven't looked specifically into what our expectations are around sleep and gender, because when you, uh, when, you know, when we got in touch to begin with, uh, this blew my mind yeah. that there was a sort of gendered, expectations around sleep yeah i just find that so fascinating yeah i think um yeah it's really interesting isn't it? i think there is a maybe this is just my anecdotal observation but yeah that an assumption that like i i think sometimes there's a a really big fear of creating like a mummy's boy uh-huh. and responding too much and being you know sometimes I see that with you know well maybe you should put him down or oh you don't want him to you know if you if you kind of cuddle him to sleep or feed on demand or or whatever then he'll be like that forever and we all know boys that can't live without their mummies and that's the worst thing and I think that plays into it around sleep a lot actually yes I can see that there's I mean there are so many expectations on little boys yeah. to you know we use that horrible phrase man up mm. you know and the idea and it starts quite young actually you, you can you know well you're a big boy now no crying yeah. um and teachers in primary school the the um national education union did a survey and teachers in primary school can notice that the girls come to primary school more able to emotionally regulate than boys and it's down to how we talk to and about our children um you know so by the time they're four five six um girls are already more emotionally literate than boys are Mm. and they have done some studies that show that the language that parents use with their daughters is quite different to the language that they use with their sons so we're more likely to talk more to girls Mm. than we are to boys and mothers so they there was a study where they mic'd up mothers of very little babies so newborn to you know babbling babies and mothers were more likely to respond with baby talk to a little girl's babbles than a little boy's babbles so that sort of response that you're getting as a child as a baby um does vary by gender um and it goes the other way as well, which is that parents are more likely to play physically with a son than with a daughter. They're more likely to encourage a son to take risks than a daughter. Um, so they're more likely to use the words be careful mm. with their daughters than with their sons. Um, so there's all of these tiny little things which I think we're quite conscious about. Um, we're quite unconscious about, sorry, but um, that are affecting our children. And I think this thing about not wanting our sons to be mummy's boys is really damaging yeah um, because actually like like you say if we're not responding to them not just not just in general ways you know if they're making those little baby babbling noises and we're not responding to that in the same way that we would if they were a girl that's really fascinating in terms of la- uh, language acquisition but if also there's something around we're being encouraged perhaps societally to not respond to their cues in the night that that must add another layer mm. yeah. um, of how of how boys are learning to be in the world yeah yeah exactly um and definitely you know i think a really common situation a lot of families find themselves on in i think once babies are out of their cots and they're kind of walking and talking and um, is is kind of sort of like coming into a parent's bed at night, uh-huh. and I think 
there is a yeah more of a worry that about boys doing that than girls but maybe that's just my own experience that's, so that's really not, fascinating yeah I'm uh, sure that I mean I'm sure you could find a lot of evidence to back that up that you yeah. that um boys would be more expected to be more self-sufficient and I think that carries on into well into adulthood mm. we know we are ex we expect young men to be more self-sufficient we expect them not to have big networks of friends we mm -hmm. expect them to you know the expectation is for um it's, it's very complicated for young men to have close friendships I think because it, it that's often not shown uh in the media that they watch it's often not talked about in books you know you're often watching books where there's a lone adventurer the lone male adventurer you're uh, w watching tv programs things like that rather than a lot of um, female-driven um, TV, films and books are, they focus a lot on friendships and relationships and all of that sort of stuff. So I think there is this idea that um, it's very pervasive across our society that boys and men should be sort of self-sufficient in that way, which is extremely damaging, I think. Um, and I'm sure when we have those feelings that that filters into how we treat our children it's really hard to disrupt this stuff because none of this is because we're bad yeah. it's because that's the world we live in yeah yeah and as you were saying you know it wasn't until you had your own son and he was behaving in a particular way that you started to really unpick your own sort of really deeply innate feelings about it all it, it's yeah I mean yeah. I, I just honestly I mean, I'm sure we all experience this when you have a yeah. child. It challenges a lot of your own thoughts about who you are yeah. and who they are and how you now navigate the world. And it was like seeing the world through fresh eyes, really, um, yeah. that I sort of started to think, oh, because I'd thought a lot about how, you know, the, the injustices that women have to face. You know, I thought a lot about that, partly because I'd been facing them myself. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's not the same for boys and men. I, and that has to be said, it is, you know, that there are, the difficulties that women face in the world are huge, but boys are facing different difficulties. They, ha they are also facing, you know, getting a level of privilege. Mm -hmm and a lot of things that they don't have to think about. So they, you know, they probably don't have to worry too much about what they look like. And you see that in children's clothing, for example, mm. that children, boys, clothes made for boys, I should say, rather than boys clothes, but clothes made for boys are, tend to be better, better made. They tend to be bigger, they tend to be more comfortable and they're made with action and um, getting, getting dirty mm -hmm. in mind and girls clothes if you buy the same size you'll see that girls clothes are cut smaller the fabrics are lighter they're made less well mm -hmm. all sorts of things they are just made to look at rather mm -hmm. than to play in and that is that's a really subtle message that our kids get really early on so i'm not saying that the um the problems for boys and for girls are the same but they are two sides of the same coin and it comes out in the way in the end I mean, you know as teenagers for example um child line are much more likely to receive calls from girls than they are from boys mm. so if and the 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 number one thing that um, young people ring child line about is their mental health and you know even so far as having suicidal thoughts so it girls are much more likely to reach out to childline and ask for help but boys are disproportionately more likely to actually die by suicide so it it's really important that we think about these things where we are um we need to empower our sons in a way to do things that girls might think of as a little bit more natural like mm. ask for help mm. talk to somebody forge a connection with somebody if you need it and I, and that does come back to these really early years you know early months where you know we shouldn't feel bad 
about wanting a connection with our child. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't feel bad, in my opinion, about wanting to keep them close and there's nothing wrong with mummies having a nice connection with their children. Like it's yeah. such a weird thing yeah. to suggest, you know, yeah. that having a connection with your parents is a bad thing. I know, isn't it? And and I think this is where so much conflict comes from, in, you know, internal conflict for parents, because your instinct is to keep your child close, is mm. to meet their emotional needs. And yet so much of society tells us that that is a problem that you're either making a rod for your own back or you're yeah. stopping them sleeping if you don't kind of push them to independence perhaps before they're ready in most cases or that you're um yeah or that you are if you yeah if you're you're molly coddling you're yeah. creating problems I think that's where so much guilt and internal like yeah conflict really comes from is it's very idea. it's complicated isn't it because uh, you know, a lot of the things that we do now are quite recently normal. Yes. <laughs> you know, the the idea of um, the family bed, for example, mm. I mean, that's just normal for people across the world, you know, the, a culture of um, kids sleeping in the same room as their parents or, you know, being in the same bed or being in the same bed as each other. That is yeah. probably how we are meant to be I mean yeah. that's my feeling from looking at yeah. how other cultures raise their children and and actually it's hard I really remember we had um, a co-sleeping cot I really remember how hard it was for me mm. to move the cot you know when my kids outgrew it to move the cot just away from the bed yeah I found that really difficult it was hard for me I wanted to be close to them yeah I, I wanted to sort of see see them when I wake yeah. up even though that was also really stressful and tiring and um you know that they were there all the time and that, yes it did disrupt my own sleep them being there but also it it felt like what I needed yeah. and my kids still come into us not very often these days but they you know they come padding in yeah and part of me, I mean, as they get older, this, these are these things that people who've got older children always say, but I, I start to think now this isn't going to happen for much longer. Yeah. So I'm not going to give it up now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's something I think people say a lot about girls and boys, because my son's nearly three now, and I'm at a stage where lots of my friends are either kind of having a second or they've recently done so and a lot of people now have like one of each and we talk a lot about the differences of gender we can and I think as well it seems more obvious now when we see the three-year-olds and two-year-olds playing mm -hmm. I feel like not more obvious but maybe it's more in our minds and we and the boys maybe look a bit bigger and I think those cultural ideas about what boys and girls are really, I find myself, oh, I catch myself saying things all the time that I said I would never say about a boy and all of these things. So it's really coming up at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree as they get older. Yeah. Because when they're babies, I think there's a reason that we we don't tend to say, there's, I think there is a reason that we, we use the term baby, which is a gender neutral term, but we don't, we tend not to use that as they get older. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, because we, as they get older, they become their own people, and then we we label them. Mm -hmm. And I think we we tend not to yeah. quite so much when they're babies. So yeah. you you might actually say, "Oh, I just need to go and get something for the baby." Yeah. yeah, but we don't do that as they get older. It's an interesting thing as they become their own people. Then we want to apply society's yeah. labels to them. Yeah, yeah. Um and one kind of I suppose, observation that a lot of people I've, I have, and, I, and this is something I think I've said before, that a lot of people seem that feel like girls are more independent than boys. I would love to know what your <laughs> thoughts are on that. Oh, I think this is something that we, yes, I mean, that I think is anecdotally what people say that boys need more uh, they're a little bit more needy perhaps and that girls will go off and do their own thing it is really complicated because i would say that that is an example of where our confirmation bias comes in mm -hmm. so if you happen to have a child who's quite gregarious socially and able to you know if you go to a little 
play group or a baby group or you see some friends if you've got a child that is likely is sort of off doing their own thing and they're a girl you will say that's because they're a girl Mm-hmm. because this is one of the things that I've heard about girls they're more independent they need less mummy time uh, at this stage and all of that sort of stuff um, if you've got a boy who's doing that you'll just frame it in a different way mm. so you'll think oh he's uh, often off often about you know you won't necessarily frame it in the same gendered way it will be about his personality and it's the same if you've got a girl who's going against what you think is the stereotype um however (laughs) there are some there are some things i some things that i feel a little bit uncomfortable about where it it falls into these categories where we often say oh girls grow up quicker than boys yeah and that's something that follows girls up until their teens oh girls grow up quicker than boys you have to make allowances for the boys they, they won't be as capable as you. And this feeds into something else where we expect girls to be more capable. So we expect them yeah. to help around the house m- earlier. We expect them to um, be able to reason uh, earlier. There's things like we expect them to be able to read and write earlier. There's a lot of stuff about how boys don't get the fine motor skills mm-hmm. um, and girls get them earlier. But it's not, it, it's not exactly true. It's just... That's the story that we tell, that's the narrative around it. And so if you have a son who doesn't like writing, instead of saying you need to sit down and do the writing, which isn't something I would particularly do, but instead of saying you need to sit down and practice the writing, uh, we say, oh, it's because boys can't do that yet. Mm. Um, And we say girls acquire language quicker than boys, which they do, but we've already talked about. um, If they're getting more response from their efforts to learn language, then they are going to acquire it quicker. And we expect, we expect girls to sit quietly and do drawing or colouring or mm-hmm. read a book in a way that we don't expect boys to do it. So all of this stuff about expectations is so impossible yeah. to unpick yeah. from yeah. whether there is actually any biological basis for any of this stuff because you can never measure it against a control. So when you say oh, well, this is not necessarily a scientific study. It's almost impossible to do a scientific study (laughs) on children because what what would be the control having no input from a parent at all? And that obviously is not something you can do. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's really hard, I think, to... Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen... I mean, that is how my children are. My my daughter is um, more independent. Than my son but it's very hard for me to say whether that's one thing or the other she's also two years old yeah yes yeah 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 i was reading some interesting stuff i got about um newborns and and uh like stress levels between boys and girls and that boys were slightly less resilient against kind of normal stresses and were more likely to um cry for example or have a uh need that need extra sort of co-regulation from a parent at a very young age which I thought was interesting that is Um, interesting I mean there are different there are sex differences between um humans so there there are sex differences and also when you look at things like um when we reach adulthood when you look at things like um you know what what are men more likely to die of what you know what's life expectancy for men and women they are different and there are you know the way male and female bodies react to stressors is is different um things like you know we laugh about the idea of the man flu um but actually men are more likely to get a high temperature than women from from the flu yeah Um, and i don't know if you that's something that, that you see as well but that that happens in boys as well that they're more likely to have yeah high temperature than girls yeah and I think I think boys are are slightly more susceptible to illness in general aren't they or or, and certainly their survival rates are much lower than girls um for for, uh premature babies for example there can be a really really huge difference between the survival rates of of little boys and girls Mm -hmm. um and I think that's where that kind of resilience comes in yes Um, I mean and also uh you know women have a longer life expectancy than men Mm -hmm. there are there are 
there is there is an appreciable difference between how bodies yeah. female bodies respond to illnesses but women are more likely to have an autoimmune mm -hmm. um, disease or you know there are, it, it, there are things that differ yeah. between us but I think what the thing that concerns me is that often with little babies and with small children we aren't talking about medical differences we're talking yeah. about differences that we project onto them you know so quite quite often you'll hear that girls brains and boys brains are different but there is no research that has found any difference yes so if you showed a, a brain scan to somebody who researches brains they couldn't tell you if it was from a, a boy or a girl or man or a woman they there isn't a gender difference in brains yeah they could have a guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they would it would be a 50 50 chance they you know they could get it right or they could get it wrong it's you know it's chance um so we have a lot of i think we say oh girls are more independent boys are le less independent at this age but then by the time they're 12 we expect that to be different yeah you know yeah. I, it's when you start to unpick it i think a lot of these things are quite arbitrary so either you've got a child who is independent and you know maybe there are children who are more soothed by sucking for example mm -hmm. than others and so you know one of my children was very soothed by the act of feeding mm -hmm. that was very very soothing and the other one not so much yeah um it was sort of means to an end yeah. I need to get fed. All right, I'm getting fed. Yeah, I've got other things to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now that, you know, was that down to do, was that down to their gender? I don't think so, because I also know people who, you know, breastfed babies for a much longer than I did, because that was what their baby wanted. And, yeah. and neither of mine did particularly. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just, it just, it just seemed to be their personalities to me. Yeah. I thought it was interesting what you said about having one of each, because obviously I have one of each, and yeah. then that gives me the opportunity, I think, to say, oh, well, you're going against type yeah. here, and so how does that fit with my expectations about the world? And I think it's more complicated if you have one child or one or children of the same gender, mm. because then I think your feedback loop gets, you know, closer you, you sort of think oh yeah okay I see um, and also they were bringing in their own societal pressures and they all swirl around in their bedroom <laughs> you know so if one of them you know my daughter when she went into reception was like oh yeah I'm really into princesses and unicorns and I was like okay that's not something we've seen before yeah, yeah. I guess we're going to be into princesses and unicorns and people buy presents with princesses and unicorns um, and then when my son comes into that sort of situation there's a lot of princesses and unicorns around already and so yeah. he's got access to that uh in a way that he might not have had he had an elder brother mm, exactly and then sometimes as well you know it's the family dynamic plays into it so much doesn't it an aged gap and all of this because my sister has a daughter and then a son and I felt like her son sort of rejected a lot of the his big sister's stuff because he wanted to sort of have his own mm -hmm. you know but maybe I'm and of course I'm sure gender expectations came into that I'm sure he learned that that was a girl's thing and then he mm -hmm. was like absolutely not for me um yeah. it's so interesting and I I you know I was thinking about what you said about people thinking your son was well your son wearing kind of girls things and that's something I'm experiencing at the moment because my son has quite long hair mm -hmm. and I don't really like to dress him in like I, I dress him in quite I think quite neutral clothing like lots of colors and animals on jumpers like I yeah. I tend not to go for like the dinosaur truck thing maybe just about out of stubbornness because I just feel it's a bit not that I have a problem with those things he does have clothes with dinosaurs but I just don't want to sort of push that onto him uh -huh. um, because of his gender. And so, 
and he's also I think got quite a pretty face but then he's he's a two-year-old so they've all got quite pretty faces but anyway (laughs) I think with the long long luscious hair and sort of colorful clothes he does get mistaken for a girl a lot um uh and his name I guess is sort of like ambiguous as well so uh it's funny we've been talking a lot about that lately my husband and I and and whether or not we should cut his hair that's like a huge topic of conversation amongst my extended family of when are you going to cut the hair um I mean yeah I've done a few things about this as well because long hair is a particularly difficult one and I because actually lots of children don't like having their hair cut well, that's part of it. He's he would hate it, and he says he doesn't want to. So yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I I mean, what we've what we've done in these situations. I mean, it's it's complicated because isn't it? Because where you where you live plays a big mm. role in this. I mean, we live in East London, and I tell you what, you can see anybody wearing absolutely anything and yeah. with any sort of hair everywhere. <laughs> yes. So we yeah. once we, you know we've had exactly that conversation. I was once picking my daughter up from nursery, and. Um, my son was in the buggy and he, she said to me, oh yeah, but men can't wear dresses. She, and I was like, where have you heard this? <laughs> Obviously. And I was like, okay, let's have a look. Let's see what we can see. Can we see some men wearing dresses? And I mean, Hackney did not disappoint me. <laughs> there were a lot of people wearing a lot of things. You know, we saw a man yeah. in a kilt. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it was Friday, we saw a man going to Friday prayers. And I was like, well, that is, you know, that's mm-hmm. a man wearing a, what I would call a salwar kameez, um, you know, a tunic over trousers, you know, I was just like, it's normal for people mm-hmm. to wear things, you can choose what you wear. And it's the same with the hair. Um, mm-hmm. We can model that behavior, we can say, it's just hair. Girls and boys can have long hair. Yeah. You know, your hair doesn't say anything about you. But yes, I feel that. Uh, very strongly that you know my son he hates having his hair cut absolutely hates it but he also really wants to fit in mm. and so he submits to a haircut every so often mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to have long hair and he doesn't want people to think he's a girl I mean yeah. I also think my son is very pretty yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if we've just got our rose tinted glasses on hard I to think, know I it? think it might be that yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah but people people often mistook him for a girl yeah. and it it was hard for me to say he's my son also then I thought why do I care what this yes. person on the bus thinks I mean I know what you know what is that what's that all about who cares what you know if the person on the bus has pursed their lips or tutted but we all care we do all care about this and we care about what people think about us and children care yeah and as they get older they care more and then I think it wears off um you know but I think particularly it peaks around three to six yeah where they can really notice it They're, they're so tuned to our cues as adults yeah, they're yeah. so tuned to the society they they live in they really are picking this stuff up from absolutely everywhere yeah. and so they know if people are like you know if a kid in the playground says oh you're a girl because you've got long hair they feel that yeah. and either they're strong enough to say i'm not a girl i'm a boy and boys can have long hair yeah. you know or to say, it doesn't matter whether I'm a girl or a boy. Like, you know, there's quite a lot of complexity around this. And and I, I think part of the problem is that we've created these really strict rules that we expect our children to conform to. And so they're just trying to work out, where do I fit in the rules? What are the rules? You know, yeah. there's a lot of rules around being a boy and being a girl. And we... I mean, it's really hard to notice them. I feel this myself. That I'm like, all oh, right, yeah, the expectation to be a good girl, or yeah. the expectation to perhaps be boisterous as a boy. You know, the, the, there's so many expectations that I have to pick myself up on. Yeah, they sneak you know. in all the time, don't they? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I was also reading, which I thought was interesting. That, um, and again, not the most reliable study, but um that baby boys are slightly more likely to be sleep trained Hmm. and when I was I was looking in some like sleep training like Facebook groups saying and and I noticed that most of the parents having problems 
and saying, oh, this isn't working. Why does uh, we're, have, we're having baby boys as well? Which I just, I think is, I just, it goes so deep, doesn't it? From like, mm. from like you're saying about from the womb, from day one. Yeah. As mm. soon as we know, or think we know, you know, because your scan can be wrong. Yes. <laughs> you know, but as soon as we think we know, we, we are already making assumptions about them. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in this idea that we're more likely to sleep train a baby boy. That, yeah. that, it, that does really fascinate me that that's, and, and whether that's to do with them waking more or feeding more mm-hmm. in those early, you know, if you're saying there is a correlation between mm. boys needing a higher calorie intake or whether it is um, to do with our expectations that we, we are less likely to give them the grace yeah. to take a little bit longer. I mean, my personal experience was that my son woke up every hour and a half mm. um, for seven months. Oof. Oh, yeah. honestly, and I was broken. I was yeah. on my knees. It was yeah. unbearable. Um, and we got, you know, he was weaned by that, you know, not fully weaned, but I was still feeding him, but he, you know, he was on solid food by that time. And I just thought, I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I cannot do this. Um, and I just said to my husband, you have to get up in the night. That's the only way, that's the only yeah. way I'm going to get through this. And then it all seemed more feasible. Yeah. My, my husband was getting up in the night before, but I was like, I cannot no. do it. I cannot do any more. Yeah. So it was, that was my experience that it was much hard. My, the sleep, he yeah. was easy to get to sleep. Mm. And then he would wake up and then he'd go back to sleep, you know, I'd feed him, he'd go back to sleep. He'd wake up. But I can't get back to sleep in that time mm-hmm. well. So I was just <laughs> I was delirious. So, yeah, I mean, that definitely chimed with my own yeah. feeling. My daughter slept for a four-hour stretch relatively early on, which was quite manageable for me. Yeah. And what's what's interesting as well about, I suppose, the differences between adult gen- and, and sleep and genders is that women do, adult women do need more sleep than men. That's why it feels, I think motherhood feels very cruel sometimes. <laughs> I'm, good, I'm literally I'm just like oh I'm I'm quick I need to write that down and tell my yeah. husband <laughs> we do and we're also considerably more likely to experience insomnia and sleep oh. problems which is also very interesting and I think a part of that is related to caretaking um mm. roles um but also genetics and and biology and sex and uh yeah so we we need more sleep we're more likely to struggle with sleep and 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 uh falling asleep and winding oh. down which is really interesting. That is fascinating. I mean, that is definitely how I feel as well. Yeah. I, I mean, also, I think we often forget to take into account that before a baby's even born, how much time as a mother you might have been having disturbed sleep before yes. that. Yes. So, you know, you already maybe were finding it quite hard to get to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and you already were maybe being woken up in the night <laughs> and having to get up, you know, so it, you've, yeah. you're already perhaps working on a deficit before plus if you're breastfeeding yeah how much energy you're outputting yeah on that you know that that does that does make a difference doesn't it to totally and hormones your menstrual cycle and how that affects sleep and Mm -hmm. and also just your hormones in the first year or so after birth in general as well it's it's really interesting isn't it and um, yeah but yeah I think this, the key thing I would like to say is that often when I talk to people about gender differences in childhood, I, what I don't want to do is say that there are no biological differences, mm. because I do think it is important, like in these things, when we talk about, if we're talking about reproductive health, and if we're talking about these differences that you're saying about, you know, how our menstrual cycle might mm. affect um your body, your cycles, your tiredness, what you need, you know, when we talked about that thing about how different um, illnesses affect you differently based on your biological sex. And I think that is important. You know, we've seen that in the coronavirus pandemic that men were more likely to get seriously ill. Yeah. It affected them differently. Um, So it's not that. It's what the key thing I think is that we all have to check ourselves on when we make assumptions about, you know, when it's not actually about medical things, yeah. when we make assumptions about ourselves, about our partners, about our children, 
about other people's children yeah. and we we assign things to their gender you know we we assign traits or characteristics or personality quirks to their gender rather than to them being individuals that's where the complication comes in for me and i i don't want to say that there aren't biological differences which we should be thoughtful about what i want to say is that what we socialize our children as in as their genders needs unpicking mm. you know we need to think about this and we need to treat our children as individuals mm-hmm. and ourselves you know mm-hmm. be able to treat ourselves as individuals not put ourselves under unnecessary pressures um you know that's what all of this is about putting ourselves under unnecessary pressures to behave in certain ways based on arbitrary things you know yeah. it's arbitrary the idea that we think some you know boys are better at playing lego nope they're not boys yeah. are not better at playing lego yeah. um but, but they are encouraged to play it in a way that girls aren't you know all of these things just little drip 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 yeah yeah oh it's so interesting i'm gonna be just like i'm pick, i'm gonna spend the rest of the day now just thinking about all the ways in which <laughs> these are my own biases and uh, I mean, uh, things are playing into it it's so that's interesting. that's the thing that i find most difficult is that literally i'm constantly checking myself thinking is that true? Yeah. <laughs> is that actually true? Um, that's all it takes, really, is to be thinking about it, I think. Um, yeah. You know, my, my daughter, I can't remember what we were watching, something on CBBC, and she said to me, I've just noticed that there are hardly any girls in this. And I thought, oh, good, well, you've noticed it. Yes. <laughs> I didn't notice it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so the, the fact that I've presumably opened up those conversations enough for her to say, hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that she's, oh, you know, I, we watched the um, Octonauts. Yeah. And she was like, why don't the girls ever get to go out of the pod? Mm. They, always, they always have to stay back and fix everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, they do. Wow. They go and f- they stay behind and fix all the problems that the uh, adventuring boys yes. uh, make. And I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> such a good point. And I think that's something you do so brilliantly in, in in the magazine isn't it that you you shine a light on lots of uh, people who are changing these narratives so stories that are written in different ways in mindful gender kind of aware ways and you know toy makers who are making toys that are you know yeah gender yeah. neutral and, and things like that. I think it's so important that we have that you are sort of shifting the narrative in that I, way I think the thing that I always want to do is I don't want to judge anybody and I don't want mm-hmm. to say you're doing this wrong we're just all doing the best we can but I want exactly what you say I just want to shine a light on some ways that we could do it differently because yeah. I think it would have a huge impact if we just change small things for our children it yeah. could have a huge impact on how they grow up you know I, I don't want my um I don't want my daughter to be frightened walking down the street at night. I don't want that for her. Yeah. I, I don't want my son to feel that he can't share his emotions and that he has to keep them to himself. I don't want this for them. I don't want this for any of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just looking at the ways that we can unpick this for them um, so that they've got the tools to do it for themselves. So, yes, yeah, so I'm looking at what, what do we put on clothes that are for boys or for girls, you know. Um, the worst thing that I've seen about that is the research that shows that on little boys' clothes, the animals that are on little boys' clothes are overwhelmingly predators. Oh. And <laughs> wow. the animals that are on little girls' clothes are overwhelmingly prey. And that stuff, you know, they don't know that. Kids don't know, they don't know about predators and prey. But they do know if they've got a shark yeah. or a Tyrannosaurus Rex yeah. or a... Well, they're seeing other kids in the street and the boys are all wearing dinosaurs or yeah. eagles, wolves, yeah. and the girls are all wearing rabbits, yeah. you know, it, you, or llamas, a big phase of llamas, <laughs> you know, but, you know, you know that's, or, or lambs, or, you yeah. know, domesticated animals, like yeah. there's real, all of these things. So, so I try and just point it out to people because like you say, once you start thinking about it, you start seeing it everywhere. So just point it out. What is this telling other children, the adults around them? You know, most of the stuff comes from adults. And I'm just trying to say, here are some maybe, here are some clothes that are just, anyone can wear them. Yeah. You know, here are ways that you could tell retailers that you care about this. 
here are way here are some books that you might find mm. help boys to talk about their feelings or yeah. show boys that girls can be the the hero of an adventure yeah you know it's really important that boys see that as well as girls do yeah, yeah. and also i like to talk to people who are trying these things out in their own parenting and um seeing how they how it goes down and when they've had when they found things difficult you know one of our most popular articles is is what to do when someone calls my you know what to do when someone calls my little boy out for wearing pink mm. pink trainers or pink clothes or you know it's horrible for children to feel that they aren't allowed to pick something yeah. like that you know that they feel humiliated by other people about that and how do we deal with that sort of stuff so i don't want to judge anybody and i I'm, yeah. we're all going through the same journeys of yeah. trying to make the, make the world a better place for our kids that's what we all want yeah that's it yeah oh well i yeah i really love the work you do kirsty i think it's so important and um and the magazine is gorgeous and you've done you know it's it's such a nice it's so nice that print exists as well I just, yeah it's so funny because that's one of the things that we've really I've really struggled with about the magazine is we started as an online only thing because people kept saying to me print is dead mm -hmm. but it's I think particularly for people with young children it's really nice to have something that isn't on a screen yes it's really nice to have a thing you can pick up and put down yeah and you know just grab a few minutes to have a look at and also I try to make sure that it's timeless so you can pick it up Yes. Um, any time you know you won't feel like oh this is <laughs> this is two years out of date no yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah I try and make it evergreen so that it, because I know what it's like yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no I love it I'm a former oh, PR so I love I love print <laughs> I think oh, it's so yeah. important you know yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah well thank you so much for giving so much of your time today and uh it's been so interesting and um, my mind is going to be full of questions all day that I want to ask you next. So <laughs> thank, you thank you so much. So much. Honestly, the same here. I've really enjoyed hearing about this because yeah. it's, like I said, it's not something I've thought about before. And I, yeah. I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. Thank right. you. Thank you. Okay. A couple of months after this um, interview was recorded, I found myself in M&S with my three-year-old. Um, and he needed a, a new pair of, of sandals because his had broken. So we, we kind of, it was a bit of an emergency dash to the shops. And it was late summer. And the only pair that was in his size was this pair of pink leopard print sandals, which I thought were really cute, but were very obviously, I suppose, girls' shoes. And actually he didn't know that they were the only pair in his size, but he went immediately to them. Now, I'm rather partial to a bit of leopard print myself, so it's a print he's familiar with and it's something that he wears himself. But, you know, he really liked them. He picked them up and he just was like, I want these, these are great. Um, and they, they actually looked in the shape a little bit like the ones that I'd been wearing all summer. So I get it. Um, you know, he's three, he doesn't understand that there are girls' clothes and boys' clothes yet. And it also happened that there was no other option in that shop that would have fit him. And so on one, on one element, on side, there was a practical level here because they were made for kind of girls' feet. He's got quite wide feet and they, they didn't fit brilliantly. So I kind of started to say, you know, without even really thinking like, no, we can't have these. These aren't quite right. But actually the way that they're made, they were kind of Velcro. So they actually stretched to any width of foot um, size. It didn't really matter. Um, and then I thought back to my, the conversation I'd had with Kirsty a few months before um, about how she'd said that, that she'd had similar moments with her son of, of why, why do I worry if my son is mistaken for a girl? Why do I have these biases that certain things aren't for him? Um, what is that going on internally? And it was really interesting because I had no reason why he wouldn't wear those shoes. He's at an age where I didn't think he he hasn't been picked on for wearing them. The other kids don't get it. Um, it's summer. They're just going to wear them for a couple of months. And they were really cheap. It was in the sale. So 
in the end it was my husband who just was like why are you why are you making this into a thing he likes some shoes they fit they're affordable can we just hurry up and go and pay now and you know I was thinking why don't you have that (laughs) you know why do I and I don't know I guess it's just several decades worth of conditioning and even though you know I've been raised in a particular way and encouraged to not you know try not to be sexist try and you know try to be a feminist all of these things it's still there you know that that internal thought process um anyway he wears the shoes constantly now he loves them and it doesn't really matter does it but I would love to know what your thoughts are about gender and did we say anything that you were like furiously disagreeing with or vehemently nodding your head along with um let me know I think the whole gender conversation is a fascinating one and obviously I was trying to kind of keep it mainly to sleep because that's what this is about and you know there are a whole series of podcasts just about gender that you know cover this stuff in much more depth but um I just love picking Kirsty's brain and the examples she had and the ways that she communicates all of these points I thought was just so interesting and I, I've thought so much ever since we spoke about all of the things so it's definitely the kind of episode that I cannot wait to hear other people's opinions on so please do get in touch <laughs>